This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Shay Robbins. Well, good morning, neighbors. How y'all feeling? Hey, my name is Shay Robbins. I'm a part of the teaching team here at Woodland Hills Family Church. I'm excited to be here. Part number four of Into the Neighborhood. Has it been good so far? Pretty challenging. Uh, I'm excited to kind of share what God has been stirring up in me. As you know, part of our service, we take an offering. We are, we're getting more and more normal every week. We're still not passing baskets, but we've got some boxes out in the foyer. And then we'd love to welcome those of you who are in uh, the chapel, the gathering place, outside, watching online, and here in the castle. We're excited that you guys are here. And uh, I actually have a word for you guys today. Get ready for it. <clears throat> The word is adventure. And uh, as I've been thinking, well, by a show of hands, who loves a good adventure? Yes. Okay, that's good. Then this is the uh, message for you. I've been thinking about adventures for the last couple weeks. And I, I had a really great childhood. And my parents gave us a lot of leash and let us run. And so every time I was, you know, out of school on the weekend or all summer long, we were out in the woods. We're out fishing and uh, hunting and shooting squirrels and, and uh, building forts and going on ventures and making spears and catching turtles. I mean, my life was just an adventure. And as a young boy, obviously I had a huge appetite for it. And uh, I want to share a song that happens to be one of my favorites in regard to adventure. And it's going to kind of, I think, set the tone for our message this morning. The song is Little Boy Heart Alive by Andrew Peterson. And it goes like this. It says, open the door and run outside. Your little boy heart alive. Into the morning light, into the deep and wide. Dinosaur bones in the flower bed. Rockets in the clouds in a fight with a spider's web. Tunnels in the ground winding to China. To the mist of the distant shore. Better be home by supper time and back through the planet core. Feel the beat of a distant thunder. It's the sound of an ancient song. This is the kingdom calling. Come now and tread the dawn. Come to the Father. Come to the deeper well. Drink of the water and come and live a tale to tell. Pages are turning now. This is abundant life. The joy in the journey is enough to make a grown man cry with a little boy heart alive. Isn't that beautiful? So at the Robbins household, we... We believe in adventure, and we're doing everything we can to foster adventure in the life of our kids. I got a little video of our latest adventure to share with you. Go ahead and roll that for us, Katie. (laughs) There's goats everywhere. They're falling all over the place. So the Robbins family... We're, uh, we're bottle feeding baby goats. They're Nigerian dwarf goats. They're the greatest ever. Uh, 8 o'clock, 12, 4 p.m. and 8 o'clock. Actually, it's 6.30 is our first one. 6.30, 12, 4, and 8. And uh, it is such an awesome adventure. And you know what happens when you bottle feed a little critter like that? You become mommy and daddy. And so... My kids, when they take off running through the pasture, these little kids will run after them and bouncing and 
squealing and banging all the way throughout the woods and uh, through our pasture area. And it is just an awesome, awesome sight. And, you know, I believe that as kids, our default is adventure. I mean, it's natural for a kid to get up and, and to begin to go on an adventure of some kind. If we leave them to their own, that's what they do. But for those of us who have grown up and taking the beatings that life has to offer, we got to grow up. We got to um, get our life together. I hear Ted in my voice always saying, get a job, you know, get a job. And uh, what happens is, is you start to lose margin for adventure. You start to lose margin for spontaneity in your life. And your focus turns from those great adventures to paying the bills getting through the day, trying to accomplish everything that's on my to-do list, trying not to fall behind. And sadly, I think that we miss out on a lot as we allow life to kind of beat us down. And so this morning, that's, that's really what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at a, a story that, um, that, that's circled around the life of Jesus. And as we, you know, our, the whole conversation we're having is going into the neighborhood, What does it look like to be uh, on mission in your neighborhood? And so we look to the life of Christ. And the story specifically that we're looking at is the story of Jesus and Bartimaeus. And I think you're going to see through that story just some real practical examples of how we live like Jesus and go on an adventure daily. Before we jump into that, I want to ask you a question. Do you allow things to interrupt your schedule? Do you allow things to interrupt your schedule? Specifically, do you allow people to interrupt your schedule? This has been convicting for me because, you know, as I'm actively processing this message, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm walking from my office to the bathroom texting. And I, as soon as I park my truck, I check how many red dots I have and I try and kill a couple. Then I get out and I walk up the hill to my office and I'm checking my phone and I'm trying to take care of things. For some reason, I live under such an urgency that there is, you know, like the quiet spaces in my life are getting gobbled up. And, and, and God has really got my attention. And, and as I've been really attempting to be more available and more interruptible just in the last week. God gave him an opportunity for two grown men who absolutely broke down and wept with me. And I would say um, a month ago, before this series started, there's a really good chance that I would have missed both of those opportunities. And I think the sad reality is that there's a lot of people who are crying alone. And for those of you who are willing and desire to go on an adventure, I believe that God wants to draw us into people's lives and to use us in significant, powerful, and important ways in the life that he's, in the lives of the people that he's put around you. And so that's what, that's kind of the thought process that I want you to take as we look at the story of Bartimaeus. So we jump into Mark chapter 10, verse 46, and our story, it starts like this. Then they came to Jericho, and later, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a beggar who was blind named Bartimaeus 
the son of Timaeus was sitting by the road. So let me set the context for you here. We're looking at um, Jericho, which obviously is a historical city in the life of Israel. You know, thousands of years before that, I think it was probably 13 to 1500 years before this time, time frame, Jericho was a fortified city in enemy territory. And the people of God had been wandering in the desert and he raised up a leader named Joshua and he sent Joshua over into the land to take over the promised land. And the first city that they pursued was the city of Jericho. As I said, it was sitting on a mound, it was fortified, and God gave them the specific instruction. He said, I want you to march around the city once per day for six days. Then on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. On the seventh time around, you're going to let out a a battle cry. And the walls came tumbling down. And the people of God raced in there. They took over the city. And it was the, the first victory of many to follow as they took over the promised land. And so the people of Jericho literally are living in a relic, a legend of God's goodness and his strength and his power to their country. And, and as a side note, if you go to Jericho today, you, you can see with your own eyes the archaeological evidence that supports the biblical narrative. So the book of Mark specifically was written to Roman and Gentile audience. And so you're going to see a lot less references to the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus, his actual speaking or his words are recorded less in Mark than the other Gospels because the Roman audience was concerned not with what he was saying, but what he was doing. They also makes mention of, uh, careful mention of the size of the crowds that were following Jesus. These were questions that the Roman audience wanted answered. Who is this man moving through the wilderness followed by thousands and thousands of people? And so Mark is writing uh, to this audience who he's trying to compel. Like, I want to introduce you to the person of Christ. Now, to drill a little bit further, Jericho itself was, you know, it's out in an arid desert. And the only reason Jericho was a city out there in in the desert is because it happened to be an oasis. There were some springs there. And so you build your city around the springs and outside of the city is where all the outcasts sat. Those who were blind with leprosy, who were thrown out of town, had a bad reputation. They were all seated to the left and the right of the road that led into the city of Jericho. It would have been dusty. It would have been sunny. It would have been hot. And specifically for a blind man, it would have been very difficult. While there was probably other handicaps around him, he, he lost the benefit of his eyes and seeing opportunities as they walked up. But on this particular day, he heard the sound of many footsteps. In fact, it was a mob, a multitude of people was coming up. And I'm sure he turns to his left and the right, what is going on? And the people begin to murmur, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Now, uh, I also want to point out There was, you know, at that time, there was probably a handful of historians that we can, that we regard today, but the number one in many people's mind was a guy named Josephus. He was a secular historian and he wrote about this person of Jesus. So it hadn't just spread throughout Israel itself, but it, it's spread around the surrounding city or surrounding towns and communities and areas. 
everyone was talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And here's what um, Josephus said. He said, now there was about this time Jesus, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works. Well, watch what Bartimaeus does when he hears about Jesus of Nazareth coming into his little neck of the woods. Mark ten forty seven, And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, he hears it's Jesus of Nazareth and he calls out Jesus, son of David. That phrase, son of David, was a messianic reference. It was referring to the, the, the Davidic covenant when God said to David, in 2 Samuel, he promised him that, that you will always have a king sitting in Jerusalem because for eternity, someone from your line will maintain the throne of Israel. And, and Joseph, or excuse me, Bartimaeus heard about this man, Jesus of Nazareth, and he believed. It says right here, I mean, it shows his faith, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Watch what happens. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, the people were shushing him. In Luke's account, it actually explains more clearly that the people who were leading Jesus's group, the people who were with Jesus were the ones that were shushing him. And We need to understand this. This was one week before Jesus was betrayed, murdered, and rose again. It was Holy Week. And so Jesus, his entire life, he had one mission, and that was to make it to the cross and to die for all the sins of the whole world. So you can imagine the urgency that would have been on Jesus at this time. His disciples, they're all excited. We're going to Jerusalem. Jesus is super popular right now. This is going to be an awesome party. And so they're, they're, they're telling Bartimaeus, hey, Bartimaeus, shut up. We got places to go. We got a party to catch. They're getting dinner ready. We got to get to Holy Week. They're in a hurry. Well, how many times do we find ourselves making similar justifications? Sorry, I, I, I'm late. I got to get to work. I got to get the groceries. I've got a long list today. I've got a tea time at Big Cedar. Right? I got things to do. do, People to see. Babies to kiss. Books to write. I got to go. Sorry, Bart. It's not that we don't love you. I'm just in a big hurry today. Y'all been there? Oh, yeah. We're all shaking our heads. But look what Jesus does. And Jesus stopped. Y'all hear that? Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the man who was blind saying to him, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. And watch what Bartimaeus does. He throws off his cloak. He jumps up and he comes to Jesus. And replying to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. This word well in the Greek, it's the word sozo. 
It means a complete physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. Bartimaeus was healed from the inside out. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. You see, this is a really important point. Jesus was willing to be interrupted, but he was never distracted. Clearly, he was on mission. But because Jesus' mission was people, he was willing to be interrupted with them. Y'all, I believe that this is where an adventure starts. Adventures with God start with interruptions. You know, I, um, I want to ask you a question just for the sake of introspection. What is the driving force of your day? What's your mission? As you go throughout your day, when you wake up and you start heading out, what, is, what are you setting out to accomplish? I think probably the majority of us in here have good intentions, right? Where you, you would say, you know, I want my mission to be God's mission. I want to be God's man or I want to be woman's, or God's woman today. But in reality, what is it? I just have so many things to do. I'm going to cross one off. And my goal is to, to do all these things today. Or perhaps like I'm going to make a certain amount of money today. Or, or perhaps it's, it's more the tyranny of the urgent. Like I, I've got bills to pay and I've got to figure out a way to pay them by the end of the day. You know, there's, a, there's this thing in the corporate world they call mission drift. And the idea is this, is that a company, um, let's say they're really good at making doodads. They're phenomenal at it. They got great systems. The profit margins are fantastic. Their sales are excellent. The supply chains are efficient. That's what they do. This is who we are. We make doodads. And when we do that, we provide for our company and we're a blessing to our community. But mission drift is when perhaps your, one of your best clients says, you know, we love your doodads, but we really would like you to make a thingamajig too. And you say to yourself, well, you know what? We can make a thingamajig, but our profit margins are going to be way less. But this client's so important, I hate to lose them. Let's go ahead. Let's do them a favor. Let's make these thingamajigs for them. Then another client hears you're making thingamajigs and doodads for them. They want some thingamajigs. The next thing you know, your, your profit margins have been slashed. The water has gotten muddy of like who you are and what you do. And then you end up laying off people because your business is suffering. Well, the same thing happens in our Christian walk. You see, if I was the devil... I would, I would approach you and I would try and get you distracted. I'd get you busy. I'd make you anxious. I would stress you out with specific relationships. Then I'd try and get you to compromise just a little bit. And with one little compromise, once you kind of broke in and went for it, I'd give you a little time. 
enough time to, to justify yourself. And then I'd, I'd send you another compromise, maybe just a little bit bigger. And little by little, I'd draw you off course until your mission had completely veered off what was most important to you. I think that's the way it happens. I know if I'm honest with myself, that's the way it happens with me. So I want to ask you, what would it look like if, if you began to be open to interruptions every day? Strategically, like I, you woke up and you say, Lord, I'm going to set out on an adventure with you. In fact, I believe that the greatest life I could live is one that was willing to be interrupted by the great adventures that you've prepared for me. What would that look like? How would that be different? What would it look like for you to be uh, open to interruptions? How would it change your relationships? How do you think you'd be, you know, begin to interact with your, your loved ones, your immediate family? For those of you who have kiddos out of the home, right? Maybe even have grandkids. What's your role in your family's life right now? Would you take time for a phone call? Would you, would you cancel golf and go spend time with your grandson? Or even better, bring your grandson golfing. Uh, would you consider moving to where your family's at so that you can support your kids and their grandkids? Would you be around on a weekly basis and, and watch the grandkids so that your, your daughter and your son-in-law could go on a date night and you could help strengthen their marriage in that way? Or for those of us who have kids, have teenagers, they're driving you crazy. Would you, would you take the time to go do something that they're passionate about? To go on an adventure, make a memory. Maybe even sacrifice making a little bit more money. Or if you're in, your, my, you're in my phase of life and everything, you're, you're doing everything you can just to get them in bed so you can enjoy five minutes of peace and quiet. Would you take more time tucking them in at night? Would you ask better questions on the way home from school? Would you pull them up into your lap when they're shedding some tears? What about your extended family? What about that, that person that really drives you nuts? Maybe the one that pushes your buttons. Probably a good likelihood that that's the person who needs you the most in their life. How would you deal with those interruptions? What about those who serve you? Teachers, employees, employers, waitresses, mechanics. I'm due for an oil change and I keep driving around with it nagging at me. I'm like, I just don't want to deal with it. It's a waste of time. I'm too busy. Well, maybe this is the season that God timed it where I'd roll over 3,000 miles because my mechanic needs somebody to see him and to care about him. What about your neighbors? This is another one I'm super convicted on. I've got neighbors that I drive past 
a couple times a day and I haven't talked to him face to face in months. And what about the body of Christ? And each one of you guys who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, you've been given a gift. And that gift is specifically meant to build up the body of Christ. Who are you speaking encouragement into? Who are you lifting up? Who are you helping grow in your faith? Who are you discipling? I think it changes the way that we look at our day. If you have too much to do to be interrupted, then, then maybe you've got too much to do. A couple years ago, I had about, I had seven things specifically that outside of my family that were taking up emotional energy. So I was applying myself to seven different things and I really felt God nudging me to let go of number seven. And number seven required about like one to 3% of my emotional energy. It was very little. And I just thought to myself, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't require that much. And God kept nagging at me. And so I finally followed through with it, had some hard conversations and got off a, a board of a great organization. And would you believe it? It took up one to 3% of my emotional energy, but I felt like I gained 100% capacity. It was just, it was too much. And I'd be willing to bet if, that there's just stuff in our life that needs to go. Some of them are good things. Some of them are bad habits. Some are just a flat out waste of time. But, but what can we do to create space to live an interruptible life? You see, having a schedule is responsible, but allowing it to be interrupted is spiritual. Jesus, the perfect example, on mission, holy week, but he was ready to step into somebody's life. And this is what's really fascinating to me, gang, is that, that Jesus, when he was born, he... He sacrificed his power of God and he took on humanity, right? In other words, his, the power of, of being God, he laid it aside and he took on humanity. And he used the Holy Spirit to be his prompting and to be his power and to be his healing. And he did that with purpose so that you and I have an example of how we're supposed to function. Because we have the same Holy Spirit that dwelled through the person of Jesus that did all these miraculous things. That same Spirit is the one that wants to prompt you to go on an adventure today. So, it begs the question, how do we open ourselves up for this adventure? Um, the story of David and Goliath has four characters in it. One character is Goliath. He's the bully in direct opposition to God. His eternal destination for the sake of our conversation was uh, eternal damnation in hell. Then you have all the Philistines. They were the friends of the enemy. Same destination, less abrasive, but certainly an enemy to God. Then the next character you've got is the Israelites, God's people, God's army. They were standing there in battle array, but they were frozen on the sidelines because they were afraid. They weren't willing to go on an adventure with God. But then the fourth character, God introduces an audacious teenage boy. Probably the least capable of war of all the people aforementioned. 
And yet he had the faith to, to see an opportunity where God, God's people needed a hero. And, and on that day, David chose to go on an adventure with God. And here we are 3,000 years later telling his story. So the first question I think we have to ask is, who do I want to be? What role do I want to play in this story? We get to decide. And for those of you who choose to play the, the, the role of a hero and to go on an adventure with God, then, then after that, it's actually not that complicated. It starts with just prayerful living. God, who do you have for me today? Who do I need to be aware of? Who do I need to find? Who needs me? Where's my adventure waiting? You know, as I've been processing this, I've been sitting right where you are. And, and one day I went out, I went to a lumber yard and I'm just, I'm not going to tell who it is because I don't want to share specifically the person. But for those of you who have been there, I bet you know exactly who I'm talking about. But I was at a lumber yard. I went and I got a specific product, which is painful in the beginning because buying wood is like sacrificing my children's education. I think they're going to start selling it by the ounce. Um, but I, I had an order. I went and picked it up. I drove away. I went to the next store and I realized I had ordered six foot tea stakes for a fence. They were marked six foot. They had six foot on the labels. And lo and behold, they were five and a half foot tea stakes. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. So I go all the way back to this place. I stand in the service line and I was in a miserable mood. So I go through, you know, have the interaction with the lady at the desk and come out of there. And I got to go back, drop off the stuff, pick up more and I have to bring in some piece of paperwork to her. And I'm standing in line and I'm just in a grumpy attitude. And, and I sit there and God opens my eyes. And I realize I've watched this lady work this, this desk. Every, every time I'm in there, she's there. And she is joyful she is fast and efficient. She's really good at her job. And, and she navigates difficult people all day long because they're upset. And I had to sit there and just repent. And, and I had the presence of mind to get up there. And when she started my interaction, I said, I need, I need to tell you something before we do this. And I looked her in the eyes. I said, I just want you to know you have one of the hardest jobs in this store. You are always joyful you are always excellent. You're fast. You're efficient. You're phenomenal at your job. I just want you to know I'm grateful for it. Guess what happened? Tears started falling. And she looked at me and she said, you don't know how much this means to me. This morning I prayed and I just asked God to show me if what I was doing was right. And I, I want to make sure that you guys don't give me any credit for this. This was God prompting a moron <laughs> who just happened to be writing a sermon about this very thing. <laughs> and I'm just so glad I got to go on that adventure with God. Like, that's what I live for. That's what I want. The greatest moments in your life are rarely on the calendar. Yes, your wedding day. You have an approximate idea of when kids are going to be aboard. 
you know, birthdays. But beyond that, is it not the sweet surprises of life? They're not on the calendar. And, and that's the life I want to live. Last Thursday night, I want to give credit to my wife. It was draft night, round one. And I was extremely motivated to get the kids to bed. And we had, we're on the last two and Ashley lays down in bed with Lulu. And I'm like, we're the 20th pick. We got to go. And I sit there impatiently and Ashley gets those girls giggling and they start laughing and they had the sweetest, most amazing conversation. And Lulu at the end, she just said, mom, that was so fun. And I thought, oh, moron. (laughs) But really and truly, I mean, is that not the greatest life to live? The one that's just on the precipice of what God's doing? If you need a jolt in your spiritual life, this is it. I mean, this is the answer. This is the doorway to the abundant life. Slow down, step up, be a hero, and go on an adventure with God. It's 11 o'clock, stand to your feet. (laughs) Get on your feet! (laughs) Oh, let's pray together. Oh, Lord, you're good. You are good. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you, God, for the power of your spirit. Thanks for choosing each one of us to do your work. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which you prepared in advance for us to do, God. Empower us to do it. Pray that our soul and our heart and our mind and our strength would be stirred to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you.